to another episode of Liberty Matters, where I'm your host, Anthony Kakaro. And with me today is my co-host, Sean Nichols. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Now we're coming in the back in the week. It's been a hectic week, but we're here. It's been a loaded week. And this show itself might be a loaded show, but we're kind of trying to pound our way through it. Um, but before we get in, I was like, how stuff go? I was like, I know I was going to tell you some of this. We were going to talk about how stuff's going, how life's going. Um, Cause that's the same thing for our audience. We're going to give insight and just be real with everybody for what's going on in our lives. So how's yeah. everything go? How's your week been going on your end over there? Uh, week's been going good. You know, we're getting the uh, clothing company kicked off and running. Yeah. Um, we got some orders coming in, so we're making progress working on um, marketing, you know, and trying to build that brand awareness and building out. What's um, your company's name again? JNS Supply. All right, good. We just started a first plug for you there. Yeah. It's, uh... It's, uh, <laughs> the website is jns-supply.com, uh, or you can go to jns-supply.co. And this message is brought to you by our sponsors. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, Getting that's, ready for I'll school. You, school starts next week. So, yeah, uh, yeah I we're, think we're yeah, in the, the We're back at that things. time. It's, it's like a new time. year. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's that time. Uh, well, not for my wife's not going back for school, being as the teacher's end. But, um, well, that's how I'll put out there. Heck, for our whole audience now. Uh, like, my uh, wife's about to have our second child, and we're at our 37th week. So, in the Texas heat, you can know very well that she's fully ready for our, our uh, soon-to-be-born. Congratulations. Thank you. Not that you didn't already know about it, but thank you again. <laughs> well, there's um, a difference between waiting and then it actually coming out, right? So Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's... Dude, she's been... It's, like, fully whatever, we're at the 37th week. It's getting very close. Can happen anytime. Our first son came at 37 in two days. So okay. who knows? So I might have to, I might have to disappear in the middle of this and knock it on the door. Yeah. Um, but she's been, I don't know, it's like that whole nesting overdrive and it's been mm. hilarious because obviously whatever, like the normal stuff, like the whole house, the nursery, all of it's set up, everything's ready to go. But she's been on this kick of like towels in this house that need to be washed that I don't even know why because they're not even relevant. Um, like all types of different things, so like, like these couch cushions, pillows inside and out. Like she's vacuumed the living room, I think like 15 times yesterday. Are you, are you putting them together? Or are they going to be separate? The kids? Yeah. Oh, no, that, yeah, they're across the hall from each other. Okay. I was like, they're too young being like, well, they'll be, my kids will be 21 months apart. So at the same point of how their sleep schedule is, I don't need to want them as easily waking each other up. So we'll yeah. see. I just know Jen's in this whole very heavily nesting phase and she like she walks in my office in the middle of work with stuff like hey can you clean this can you fix it I have a shelf for you to put up <laughs> like i don't understand what this shelf or that bench has to do with our child being born like i'm gonna i'll roll with it um but yeah i got like a new bench in the entryway and all this i don't know whatever that, i'm just going uh, with it that's just whatever pops into her head she needs done right yeah. now right but now it's, it's good it's, it's good yeah oh for sure no it's been it's amazing it's the the part I just find entertaining, it's like these little things that she's on now. Of we need to mop the kitchen floor. We need to vacuum these things over. And over. I'm like, you vacuumed that cat? Like I just said earlier, I was like, we need to vacuum this living room like 15 times yesterday. I'm pretty sure it's vacuumed. <laughs> like, I don't know. Whatever. I was like, I just go for the ride. So, um, all right. With that, so let's get jump into it. Uh, we have, I know we said we got a loaded show today. Um, and honestly, look, there's, it's been a packed week. There's been a ton of stuff from the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago for uh, Trump's residency. Uh, the in, in updated inflation came out at eight and a half percent. Some of these things. So we're there's a ton that has gone on this week. Obviously, the raids, the big piece, the behemoth in the room, and uh, we're going to dig into it a bit. So, but to start off, I want to lay out a little foundation um, for really what we're looking at in this country because what we've seen has solely turned into a two-tier justice system um and it's either you're in the elites or you're not and they try and present this as something other than it is but that's the reality of what we're seeing around every corner of the level of corruption is it's hitting an astounding point so um now 
looking at this administration, like, look, no, one of the number one hallmarks that we have seen of the Biden administration is they have no ability to see around the corner. They have absolutely no ability to see the results, their actions, the decisions they make, any of the implications that leads to from the failed pullout of Afghanistan to our destroying of our economy from the war on fossil fuels to the baby formula shortages. And now you see what may very well be their biggest blunder yet with this raid uh, by the FBI on Mar-a-Lago. So there is a complete dishonest system being put in place. There's not honestly looking at the, the justice system is split in a two tier approach. Um, Things are not being weighted fairly in any regard. Uh, And I don't care how much you dislike Trump. I don't care if you think he, because he's put on too much spray on tan, you don't like him and he's a little orange. Like that's not my problem. The problem is what we're facing within this country and how we have to actually address it. So I want to start another piece. I want to lay out something real fast uh, for taking a, a verse right out of the Bible that lays right into this in Deuteronomy 25, 13 to 15 uh, about using honest measures. It says, do not have two different weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have two different measures in your house, one large and one small. You must have accurate weights and measures so that you may live long in the land in the the Lord your God has given to you. All right, now that, so, I mentioned this because we must understand and use honest measures more, most importantly from our justice system than to what to expect from our government and our leaders. Um, by, by nature for humans, we are fallen by nature. Like we said from the beginning of the show, we are going to continue to look at things through, uh, through a conservative lens and a Christian worldview, right? That's going to be the implication. That's how we're going to see stuff. So uh, we all need to understand that we are fallen by nature and being fallen, we are tempted to use dishonored, uh, dishonest measures for what may be in our favor. And there is nothing that has been more clear and indicative of what we are seeing this out of than our, the Biden administration. They have unjustly tipped the scale so unfair so far by using these extremely dishonest measures. They have created a two-tier justice system, the ones for the Democrats and the leftists, and basically one for everybody else. So as an example of even further where this goes, this isn't just something under the Biden administration. Even Barack Obama, after his eight-year term, President Obama correctly stated, like this, you have to understand how they view these things. But it was what Obama stated was that he cut the budget deficit in half, which, yeah, um, after he doubled it, the like the data's there, and I implore you to go back and look at it for yourself. When he came into office, the budget was around five hundred billion dollars a year. He doubled it to $1 trillion. Then correctly, he reported that he cut it in half back to $500 billion. That's an example right there. That, that is not an honest measure. That So even now jumping forward further, more examples of this, how it comes into place. In March of 2019, after the uh, Mueller investigation has wasted for, oh, about $40 million, we received the Mueller report, which found that President Donald Trump did not collude with Russians to affect the 2016 election. The mainstream media support for the Russian collusion narrative was brought into question. Their credibility is completely questioned by anyone with even one iota of intelligence. Was it ignorance? Was it malfeasance? It was malfeasance. That's what exactly what it was. Because um, they knew exactly what they were doing. And then media knew that there was no factual evidence, and they pushed the story anyway, which is, again, another example of the left using dishonest measures. And this, let's not be very clear. The legacy media, mainstream media, all of them have been in the bag for the party press for what we've seen in recent years for the Democrat Party. So why, why is it that I would be bringing this up? And as we continue to see what is going on, it's really key for us to understand why we are here. And what is truly going on? So we're going to dig deeper into this a bit in a bit than about the FBI raid, the Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago residency. But there's because this honestly is no greater example of a dishonest measure and tipping tipped scales than what we are living through today. And that raid is it has hit one of the pinnacles of one of the prime examples of this. Um, because this honestly has nothing to do with the left hating President Trump. Again, they if you don't like he because he tweets mean things, 
I don't really care. This is something much worse than that. They hate Trump because he has gotten in the way of their plans. He was not supposed to win in 2016. But America, we showed up to the polls. They were supposed to roll out the red carpet and in walks the most cringeworthy, detestable human being who often dresses in things like a burlap sack is Hillary Clinton. She was supposed to walk right into the presidency in 2016 and continue what Obama was doing. But Trump screwed that up. One of the And when Trump came into office, one of the very first things he did, rightfully, was get us out of the Paris Climate Accords. Trump made us energy independent for the first time in U.S. history. All of this was everything that the left has been building up behind climate change, everything they have built up by attacking big oil and fought the war on fossil fuels. It was all thrown off the track when Trump became president. This was a plan that has been a long time in the making to control our lives, the financial system, the economy. And again, it was thrown off when President Trump took office. So what is this and where it is? And you, we, many have heard it, many have seen it. So I don't play out, but what this truly is, is a focused and controlled effort by elites to collapse a country. Also, what we've heard it called being is the Great Reset. Now, this isn't some fly-by-night thing. Like, look, George Orwell even wrote uh, his book when he wrote Animal Farm uh, to warn of the dangers of socialism. And this book is banned in many totalitarian countries. And the reason why is because the pigs took over and terrorized the farm. And honestly, that kind of sounds like a lot of what we're seeing today in Washington, and in particular, the current resident at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So back, so just pushing this back into the Great Reset, and what exactly is the Great Reset? Now, Glenn Beck recently wrote one of the most thoroughly researched books into this topic, and this isn't one of these things that were just all over the internet where you can go out and research and go into some weird QAnon dark web rabbit hole. Uh, the actual thought of the Great Reset in the words directly from the elites themselves planning and plotting this for the years and what they've been What's been behind this, right? It's from directly from the horse's mouth. So in the simplest terms, and look, it sounds like this giant international conspiracy, but the only problem is that it's true and happening before our eyes. So in the simplest terms, it is, as Glenn quotes, it is a highly influential movement among the world's elite to reset the global economy using the banks, government programs, and the environmental, social, and governance metrics. If they are successful and the Great Reset is finalized, it would put a substanti put substantially more economic and social power in the hands of large corporations, inst international institutions, banks, and government officials, including Joe Biden, the United Nations, and many other members of the World Economic Forum. So further, it was Klaus Schwab who actually said uh, – who is the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab said this in June 3rd of 2020. Quote, to achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. In short, we need a, quote, great reset, unquote, of capitalism. That was right from the words of the man himself, from Klaus Schwab, the guy who wrote the book on the great reset, a guy who literally further said that we're going to use COVID-19 as a perfect opportunity for a great reset. And ironically, that was in June 3rd of 2020 when he said this. Further, our wonderful climate, climate envoy to the President Joe Biden himself, uh, John, John Kerry, was even discussing the great reset at a November 2020 event hosted by the World Economic Forum. And he, quote, said, yes, it will happen, and it will happen with a greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. Honestly, that couldn't be any more true for what is exactly we are seeing today. Now, so what is the goal of the Great Reset? The goal of the Great Reset is both shockingly and wildly ambitious. And this is going right out of the Glenn Beck's Great Reset book. To transform the global economy, eliminate free markets, impose a new and more easily controllable and malleable economic system, and to change the way people think about private property and corporations. 
who is behind this radical plan? In early June 2020, the World Economic Forum, a large nonprofit based in Switzerland, which we previously just mentioned was led by Klaus Schwab, uh, in Switzerland, held a virtual meeting featuring many of the most powerful people in the face of this planet. The purpose of the meeting was to launch a new campaign for the great reset of the global economy using the COVID-19 pandemic and climate change as justification for these proposed reforms to society. So an extreme version of using these dishonest measures. That's what we're seeing here. These are scales to control an outcome for our society in America that they deem suitable for you and I. And you and I never had a say about it. Um, so, and one of the main features, and again, this is not a bug to the system. This is a f key feature to their system is using through this systems and metrics put in place behind ESG, which is the environmental, social, and government um, metrics. Um, that's a system put in place to track and basically give ratings. And you're going to see this. It's already coming up in bank accounts and other areas that people are getting rated on how they fall into what they deem your ESG score is appropriate, similar to a Chinese social credit system. Um, and this is being driven by asset management firms to pressure corporations on a swath of their left-wing issues. I mean, heck, I can directly tell you from this is something that I see data every day. It's heavily impacted in large asset management firms. Um, and it's a complete violation of the biblical principle of using honest measures. In, and uh, so this is how we have to understand what we're viewing, what we're facing, and how we have to approach it. And honestly, one of the best things I've recently seen, and I've been watching this come up for a few weeks now, um, maybe months actually, because uh, it was been being talked about for a while, that Vivek Ramswamy was one of the co-founders to find Strive Asset Management, right? So they came forward and said, hey, we actually have a response on how to go after this, that we're going to go right after the money. Because that's the key. You have to choke off the money flow. So um, Vivek Ramswamy, again, being the co-founder of the asset management firm Strive, um, has been all over this. And he's created the system. They just launched their first index fund. And it's... ID, it's, uh, what is it, D-R-L-L, -L, that you can find anywhere. It's not that you have to go into their brokerage platform. It's in every one of your brokerage platforms. But what it is, is, um, let me see where I have it. There it is. Okay, so there was the head of corporate governance from Strive, was Jason Danoff, was explaining in this recent Breitbart article. Um, so what their explanation behind Strive and what it's aiming towards is... These, all right, so right here he goes. Jason Danoff looks at this and says in his interview, and he's talking to Breitbart that, look, these three largest, three of the largest asset management firms, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, are using their trillion dollars in leverage to impose woke policies on corporations that they hold large stakes in. Quote, these three asset managers control $22 trillion in asset management and funds under management. And so if you think about it, that's a greater than the GDP of the United States of America. And what do you do they do with that money? Well, they use their shareholder voting and their advocacy for the engagement, their engagement with business to affect culture in a way that most Americans disagree with. They use that $22 trillion in assets because they are upstream from the American businesses and tell the American businesses exactly how to act. Danoff said, in a very large sense, he continues on, what your audience sees every day with bank actions by Bank of America debanking gun clients or Nike pulling a Betsy Ross tribute shoe or Chevron or Exxon, for example, canceling energy projects here in the United States and abroad. A lot of these times you can actually point upstream to see that the largest shareholders of these companies are actually pressuring them to take their actions that are, again, going against the will of not only the everyday citizens, but often the folks who have their hard-earned money with BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. So that, ladies and gentlemen, well, we can still say that, right? I mean, well, I don't really care. It's <laughs> uh, That, ladies and gentlemen, is why they continue to go after President Trump. And that 
is why they decided now, just before the midterms, would be a good time to go raid Mar-a-Lago. Sean, I know that was a bit of a loaded start, uh, but we had to get it out there and try and set a foundation to lay it out. Um, so, uh, what do you? Let's uh, dig into a bit into the FBI raid or any. What do you think? Yeah, it's been a busy week with that raid. Um, uh, there's a lot to talk about. A lot that goes into what you were saying. Um, I think. Look, the the FBI Mar-a-Lago raid for Trump is is um, that's a huge attack, um, a political attack, right? That we yeah. don't see in in a first world country. It's something that you hear about in Venezuela or Cuba, right? And in Russia, um, but this is this is a this is an unprecedented event that. Um, no president yeah. in the history of the U.S. has ever been uh, had a search warrant executed on them by any. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I think the Watergate scandal might have been, but I don't even think the actual. I don't even think Nixon was actually uh, raided or uh, had a search warrant on him, right? Through the whole Watergate scandal, so this is a first yeah. time that <clears throat> it was no, more it, on it, the party, right? Yeah. No, it was exactly. It was on the parties. Uh, property and it, it, it look this is probably one of the most astounding things and the, the level of hubris that they're they have they feel so comfortable to do this on a former president not only two years removed from his presidency that shows you the level of where they think they're at their level of elitism but also it shows you that the rats are scared they show you why they have to react a certain way i, mean, I don't look, think this is going to be the last outrageous thing that we see uh coming up as we go into um, midterms I, I think they're gonna they're they're clawing and fighting they they this is a, a perfect example of trying everything they can to stop the Republicans but I think in the in in the grander scheme of things I think it backfired on them I, I think yeah. that there's there's so much hypocrisy coming out of it there's so much um you know, I think the people who are independent, right, who are on the fence about voting Republican in the the near term, I, I think this is this probably woke a lot of people up, and I think it shifted the country in a big way. I, I hopefully for the good, right? I hopefully we can yeah. win, but that this was outrageous, and and it the way that they they planned it, right? It was they went and talked to the uh, Department of Justice. They went and found a lawyer, uh, judge in Florida that they knew was going to be against Trump. Um, Reinhardt, I think, was his name. Um, so, you know, this was very well planned, but poorly executed. Um, you know, they wouldn't even let the Trump's lawyers um, monitor the, the search, right, which normally is allowed. Um, so that's just that in itself is an overreach of power by the by the FBI, right? The FBI is getting out of control and has become a a policing force for the Biden administration. Yeah. So and, and but so this gets into the very core of look. So my time working at the U.S. Attorney's Office and the public corruption. This is all the investigations, everything we did, nothing happened in a vacuum. We were not allowed to do any of this in a vacuum. And that was even going for state-level officials or not even senators, uh, federal level or anything in that vein, right? But you're now talking about a former president. There, So this has to start, the U.S. attorney, it did start out of a U.S. attorney in D.C., right? And this is a Barack Obama and a Joe Biden acolyte and a very between that guy's wife, the U S attorney in DC, him and his wife are both lawyers and they are very activist in the left wing circles. Um, and this itself can't be done in a vacuum by saying, Oh, it wasn't just the U S attorney in DC. No, it actually went, has to go. And they tried distancing this. They tried saying that it was the FBI director, uh, Christopher Ray. Let's and they tried let's... distancing it from AG Garland. 
Can we take that uh, one step back real quick? Uh, U.S. attorney, what do you what do you mean? Like a, just a regular lawyer came up and said, "Hey, let's file these charges." So in throughout their country, yeah, we have there's I think we still have there's 90 different districts they al- align against, and the from the federal prosecutorial level, the U.S. Attorney's Office is there's one in Washington D.C. Um, so like the one I was in in the Southern District of New York in Manhattan. Right. So is the district that was up there. I was there under Preet Bharara, but it's the one in D.C. Is it that's its own district. Right. So they have a U.S. attorney and then he has a bunch of AUSAs that work under him that are doing all the invest the prosecutions on the cases. So it's the top tier attorney representing that prosecutor for that district. And he's accountable for absolutely everything that comes through there. Um, I mean, and he'll have a criminal division and a civil division under him, but he's accountable for all of it. And so, and it doesn't even happen just out of him because especially something at this level is everything you do, he has to then go back to main justice. He has to get main justice's approval, which means he's going back through and has to get, yes, he had to get the FBI director, Christopher Ray to sign on to this. And they tried to separate it from AG Garland, but no, this is something that wholly has to come up to AG Garland, especially if you think you're going to go do this on a former president. Like this is coordinated between them. Then it has to coordinate with the law enforcement in Florida. It has to coordinate um, also to the associate attorney general under Garland. He's a part of this. The AG of Florida has to be made aware of this. Um, and then the judge, they had to get a judge who was cooperating to be a part of this, which is, which was Judge Reinhardt. They found him in Florida and they have allegedly gotten a warrant, which they've been fighting about getting actually released to see what is actually in that warrant. Because like you said, what the, the biggest thing that's astounding to me when we do these Things they try and say, their raids and when they go down. I mean, you already mentioned it, right? So they did this raid. They've, I think, they did it at like six a.m. That is not something that we do lightly. This isn't just something that happens. They to do at that morning. You're trying to catch your targets off guard when they're asleep or just waking up, or so it'd be a less chance of a conflict. And they do this in a vein when to they think. When you're coming after this, this isn't something you do against someone for like a white collar, even a white collar crime or a politician on that vein. That's always well coordinated. We would we at the U.S. Attorney's Office would meet with their attorneys, plan events, plan for coordination. They would turn themselves in and go through the whole nine yards. This would, or in this case, it wouldn't. That's being an arrest, but this case, it would have been a subpoena, subpoena Deuce Tecum, which is asking for a turnover of records, and to then they would have complied and they would have coordinated to the attorneys. They didn't just do this when purposely when Trump was not at the residency. Now, um, to look into what they're even going after, like, honestly, I want to see the warrant and still want to see what comes out because I want to know exactly what's in, what they were asking for, what specifics were they going after. Um, one of the bigger issues that I think it's going to come around is like when they're subpoenaing, even when they're, even when they're subpoenaing something that they have to have a actual criminal statute that's related to in violation of. And what they're trying to do with this, they made this whole argument around this was around going after the National Archives and under the Presidential Records Act, which has never been used in this manner and within this type of fashion, I'll say within an FBI raid. Um, But they're trying to go after him. I think that's interesting that it's a a National Archives is like the the main thing that they're trying to use to to target him with, right? Because it's not the first president that's taken – documents or or anything from right from their presidency with them right like you got a, the obama um well yeah he you got had, a library didn't he and and well you know, so he of, was he, so obama oh yeah let me just run down the thought of this so yeah to get down the thought of who they've previously done this and how this they did not weaponize the fbi to go after them it was nixon where they wanted to release his records and his tapes and nixon's under the presidential rector act and they trying to say they needed to get his stuff back. They didn't release it and he didn't give anything back over until they thought this until 2013. I'm sorry. Nixon definitely wasn't around in 2011. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson. It was not until 2016 until they got his records that started turning over his president, any presidential records that he still had in his property or premises ownership, whatever for it. That was 47 years later. And to your point with Barack Obama, Barack Obama took 39 million records promising that he was going to digitize them for America. Um, And to date, we haven't seen a single record. So he has 39 million records. We don't know what those records are. We don't know what's on them. We don't know what they're classified. We don't know what they are. Um, 
And yet, I mean, they're going after Trump right now, and there was this nonsense. They're trying to say that they were, uh, he had the nuclear code records and other stuff. I'm like, okay, well, do we know what Obama's records were? No idea. So there was no raid on any of that. And then you had Biden when he was vice president who said he was going to release his records of stuff that he had two years after he left the VP. Well, he decided to run for president and they changed the tune on that one and said, okay, well, we want to change it now. We're not going to release anything for until two years after he leaves public office. So, but you know, right, we're just still going to sit here and we're going to go after Trump. Um, once it's not even been two years, I'm like, we're going to go after Trump right away over this bogus National Archives cover under the Presidential Records Act, which Again, I can tell you, I think it's a complete bogus piece that they're trying to go to see what basically it's um, they get their foot in the door to see if they can see, find anything else. And that's why I want to know what was on that warrant, because they probably went in and they just took what is it? They took out 15 boxes of records going through Melania Trump's wardrobe for hours. It was a nine hour search for what? I mean, was that in your, what, what are you actually looking for? Was that in your warrant? Were you specifically supposed to be pulling in there? Or did they just, in those boxes, everything they're taking, going through all of these offices in Mar-a-Lago? I'm like, you're taking all this material. Yeah. But was that in your warrant? It, it's interesting too, because the FBI, I think it was the FBI, had come month before and said, yeah. these documents aren't secure enough. You need to put a padlock on the door. And they put a padlock on the door. They, you know, they complied. They, the FBI knew what was there, right? So it's egregious for them to come back and raid the room that they said to put a padlock on, right? And then they yeah. went through the whole property, even breaking into his safe, which had nothing in it, right? So this is, this is a wish hunt. I think that this goes into the January 6th committee stuff that they're trying to find anything that they can to keep him out of running from president. Yeah. No, so, and right to your point, right? So that one that they were just there, it was, I'm not sure if that's what I was going back. They actually had subpoenaed records and had put stuff out and were already talking from the spring with Trump's attorneys. And throughout this entire process, he's been co cooperative, right? So even to your point, when they went there and was it June 3rd, the FBI went out there to go see if there was any more classified material still left at Mar-a-Lago. Um, he came in to come they were they and he was actually apparently very cooperative and they said that he was fully open saying like oh, take a look get whatever you want go see check the records do whatever you want and then yeah while they're there and i don't know if it was at the june one or they came back again but yeah they they came back and put a lock on the door saying oh this needed to be a this had to be under better secure security if i have a different lock on it's right and that was the same one that came back and cut back later saying oh well no this wasn't secured the right way I'm like you guys just came a month ago um, and it's been this entire time since this period in the spring where they started subpoena a subpoena Trump cooperate. He's been cooperating with his attorneys and yet they're still trying to say, so, so in what point and why my question comes up to is, was it that you needed to suddenly turn a raid? And the questionable timing of this is when he is away being deposed before the New York attorney general, uh, Letitia James for real estate dealings. So you knew when he was perfectly out of town and that's when you wanted to go do this. And even when Judge Reinhardt signed the warrant, you took several days after to then go do that. So you purposely timed it when Trump was not present. So I just see it as there's a, a massive level of prosecutorial misconduct and how they're weaponizing this justice this system and a complete shift of the dishonest measures of scales and how they're going after this. Um, I mean, let's look at this. What what did we not use recently? Like, what did they not go after in this long list of things, right? So what did they, that of what has not been targeted, has not been gone uh, by the FBI that they didn't go after and do a raid on? Um, Hillary Clinton's server in Chappaqua, New York. Um, and I could tell you when I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office, they asked the certain heads of these uh, certain biz units to come help coordinate some of this, the server um, assessment and the FBI, how they're going to come look at it for her on her Chappaqua server. And she was very controlling about any of that being allowed. Um, and even further, it was 
what did they? So they found in the Hillary Clinton piece, she had phones and records that they used uh, bleach bit to wipe the phones. And even I think what is it? Hillary Clinton was making that joke about that she didn't even know what wiping a phone meant. She played dumb, not knowing what it meant to wipe a phone. I'm like, honestly, no, we're not. No one is that dumb to think and believe what you're saying. Well, I mean, even further, she went on to destroying phones with hammers. I think she had like 14 or it was 11 phones and some and like some amount of like iPads. I think it was like 18 total devices that they destroyed with hammers. And it's not by accident that she's doing this. Or let's look at another one of this dishonest tip, honest measures of tipping the scales. It was Lois Lerner, the what she was. She's a former head from like the um, in the IRS who was targeting Tea Party conservatives, and she, uh, magically, when they finally kind of moved her out. Um, well, I'll say before I say that part, it was so Barack Obama actually said in back in February 2014 that the IRS scandal did not have even a quote smidgen of corruption, and the IRS later admitted that um, they lost. Well, I should say originally they Lois Lerner claimed that the IRS lost 24,000 emails, and the IRS later admitted that her emails were never lost. They just didn't produce them. The FBI didn't raid her. The FBI didn't raid any on the IRS. They didn't go after any of that. Or what is about FBI director James Comey around the Russia collusion Mueller investigation where he took handwritten notes and then what he leaked his interview notes over to his Columbia professor friend? Did the FBI raid then? No. So... Yeah, I just think there's a huge part of this that comes back that what we're watching, what's the FBI doing, how corrupt they're operating. Um, I mean, Sean, what's our list? Like of all the things that they've gone down so far and what they're targeting. I mean, we've seen the FBI go after what? Parents on school boards. They've were obsessed with being a front runners of pushing the Russia collusion hoax. Spying on Americans. They've been sat here lying before the FISA court. Yeah, my my favorite thing that the FBI is targeting now, well, I shouldn't say my favorite, but I say that sarcastically, um, symbols that are deemed... Or uh, you mean the, uh, the, the Ross flag and... Yeah, yeah. So symbols that uh, show domestic terrorism uh, with the Betsy Ross flag, the Don't Tread on Me, yep. Gaddison, um, the Texas... Dude, the Texas come and take it, right? Like pure patriotic symbols and, and such that, that symbols probably, for freedom. probably I would say at least 50% of the FBI probably has or, or police, right? Any, any patriotic person that served in the military has some type of that, one of those flags or symbols somewhere in their house, right? Like it's not, that to me is patriotism. Like that's the support for your country and you should have yeah. that. And for the FBI to think that that's a domestic terrorism, that goes to show very much that it's the elite arm versus the people. And and they're trying to do everything they can to stop people like us from putting this information out there and, and, and bringing awareness to it and showing the, the true problems that we're facing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this is why we have to keep talking about these things to be the awareness of it. I mean, I just like even when you look at what like so Attorney General Merrick Garland, who's probably the single handed one of the most corrupted attorney generals we've ever seen. And thank God. And I don't mean to use God's name in vain. I actually thank God that uh, he is, did not sit on the Supreme Court because he's proving every reason why he was never fit to be a Supreme Court justice. I mean, right now, what do we have? He's going after suing Republican state legislatures because they want to have stronger, firm, like election integrity, better laws around for their states to make sure their citizens' votes count and mean something. Or he's suing states over their states' rights for abortion. Yeah. Going the after federal... the Border Patrol agents. Oh, yeah. With this whole, what was that, the whipping hoax? That he want they want to spin that whole thing up. I mean, what they should go after the border is why is the border wide open? I mean, we got opioids flowing over the border. We have drug cartels, terrorists, rapists. 
there is a massive amount of sex trafficking. The drug cartels now are making more money in human trafficking than they are from the drug trade. And we just want to pretend there's no issue there and just ignore it. I mean, this is all under the cover of law that they're commuting, they're committing all these egregious acts of corruption. That's what we're seeing on the FBI around everywhere they're going. They're how they're tipping the scales of justice. And as long as you are on their side, you can literally get away with absolutely anything. It doesn't matter if it's legal, it doesn't matter if it's ethical. It, anything will go as long as you're on well, it's the uh what's it all the rules for thee and not for me. Right? So Yeah, you can even sleep with Chinese spies. What was that uh Swalwell? <laughs> <laughs> Over in California. What was it? Fang Fang? Was that her name? I think so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fang Fang. Still on the intelligence committee. Yeah, somehow that guy still has uh, is sitting on the intelligence committee. I mean, look, even just thinking from the inside of the intelligence, what does this do to our national security? When you're seeing this attack on our own nation, what do you think foreign nations see and look at us? We are giving everything to what foreign nations can and will and are using against us. And this is the whole part that we will be destroyed from within because that's exactly what they're doing. And when we have an attorney general that's going down this path, it's you're only furthering levels of corruption as opposed to what you should be preventing them. And you're not following the law. You're following what you're politically is beneficial for you. And more for them, it's party over country. So whatever they can do to continue and maintain and grab more power. I mean, does this make us any different than from like we're looking in a third world? We have like a third world tin pot dictator leading this country at this point. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a... Uh... What what was the top of the news or becoming becoming big news the week before? It was Hunter yeah. Biden, right? The Hunter Biden was start. It's it's come out so much. It's made its round on social media that like the news could could not cover it, right? Or that they couldn't cover it up anymore. So they had to start covering it. And as it started to gain momentum in the mainstream media, now we get a Trump raid, and that distracts us. And now Hunter Biden's not being talked about anymore, right? And that goes into your. Again, why there's pictures, videos of him with crack. Any other person would be arrested, right? Like people get in uh, arrested every day from egregious stuff that they post on on social media, right? And so we we have these these videos and and pictures coming out of Hunter Biden and of him smoking crack with him with crack, illegally having guns, and nothing is happening. No, they don't. They don't think that there's anything wrong. That they're they hit. Forget forget whatever corrupt business dealings that he's done with Ukraine and China and and the big guy. He used to be arrested alone on drug charges, but nothing. Yeah, I mean, what did they for that handgun? I mean, it's not I mean, this is also I think is very disturbing when you look at Joe Biden, right? So he is the president of the united states and the situations that he put his son in knowing that he has a drug problem knowing he has all these issues is that a loving father i was like or do you think that you're just pimping out your son to go try and make you money for your family business dealings um i mean it's astounding right and i mean what that the firearm i think what he, he just walked by and they found it in a random trash can and they had the Secret Service go after to seize that trash can and quickly like lock it down and that whole thing. I'm like, the Secret Service doesn't naturally go after staying on top of those things. I mean, but here they are. I mean, like, just, just look at this. There's, um, we need to be very careful, I'll say this, from everybody on the right because they're trying to flip the script. They're trying to make this to fit a narrative, a projection of what the problems, what they're doing. They want to start to stoke flames and they want to point on the right to say, Oh look, there's a violent response. We at, by at every means met and around every corner. That's a threshold we shouldn't cross because now you're feeding into what they want and they will use it against. And that's what they want right now that, Oh look, they can fit this narrative that, Oh look, the right is violent and they can double down on the level of, I'll say corruption and despotism and trying to control people's lives. And we must, be cautious about how we're going down and approaching any of these situations in any of these scenarios and rallies, like anything that happens, we just be very cognizant of how we're approaching it and what we're saying. Yeah. It, a perfect example, right? We, you had the BLM riots when that goes to their narrative, to their, yep. 
their dis- level of destruction, no charges are pressed and the vice president is bailing people out of jail, right? For criminal mischief. Um, but if it's anything that supports America or goes against anything that they, that they support, you, you're, it's going to be a, a terribly rough road. But I think that, I think that we have to look at the light of things. And I think that unless you're just so far to the left that you, you think that Joe Biden is doing a great job and, and everything that that's happening from uh, a federal perspective, and even in some, some states like California, if you just think that that's the right direction that we should be going, um, I, I don't know what to say to that, right? Like, But to everybody else from the cent- center to, to right, I think that uh, I think we have hope, right? I, I think that people are starting to catch on and I think that things are getting better, right? I, I think that, look, the mainstream media um, ratings are dropping. CNN's at like all-time lows. They tried to start a plus app that just canned, right? People are starting to wake up. I like canned and- in like six weeks. <laughs> yeah. they, they barely lasted that. Yeah. So I think that that's a sign. People are starting to wake up. People are starting to see the hypocrisy. And, and I think that there might be a light at the tunnel. Now, the only thing that we can do to change that is to continue to voice it, continue to uh, get out and vote and ensure that not only that you vote, that the voting in your district is done honorably. Uh, so maybe do you have some yeah. positive uh, wins, yeah, wins well, for us? We'll say, well, one quick piece I was going to run through on that with, a response to like, look, here's a good solid thing that I was reading in American Greatness on a solution. Now, to be very clear about this, again, because they try to spin everything we're saying these days, it's the FBI is wholly corrupted. And they need a cleaning house. Now, I am fully supportive of local local law enforcement every at every angle, right? But I am not ever going to be supportive of a corrupt law enforcement entity that is far overreaching their bounds of what their scope and what they're even supposed to be able to go after. And that's all we saw through all this stuff that we, the example of things that we've talked about, this isn't happening in a vacuum and it's happening all over and it's a continuous process, what they're going after. So in the article by American Greatness and how is sort of called, how do we get rid of the FBI? Um, they, so it's written by Adam Mill and he looked the great synopsis, honestly, uh, what they're supposed to do and how do we reform it and just a couple highlights of how do we get after it is number one and how do we get rid of the FBI is we have to end, end their FBI's counterintelligence work. Right? So they should not be doing anything in the counterintelligence space. The FBI has been ineffectively using the FISA court to catch real spies. Um, they've actually been reverse engineering warrants in the FISA court um, to line before the court to get a certain outcome for what they want. That's exactly what they did in the whole Russia collusion. And they went with the whole Mueller investigation. Everything that went down the whole Mueller investigation, that whole path was the FBI lying before the FISA court just to try and get what they wanted. The FBI has shown it cannot be trusted with domestic counterintelligence power. Um, One of the things that another thing that they should be doing, Adam Mill goes on, should be talking about that we should be registering all contacts with the inspector general's office for any time you talk to a politician. So if any of the FBI agents are even going to talk to a uh, politician, that needs to be registered with the inspector general's office. Why? Because they're using every one of these interactions to set people up and try and tank their election candidacies. So it's important to that. There is an overwatch to be around and aware of every single thing that they're doing, right? Even in the NYPD, you'll have like their internal affairs. And all these, and nobody likes a cop trying to look after a cop. But guess what? You need to have an Overwatch in a sense that's not in the DOJ. That is not in the FBI because the oldest joke has always been in the DOJ is that it's a department of just us because they would be the ones inspecting and investigating themselves for their own problems and corruption. Um, the next thing could be, um, and Adam Mill gets actually into says is the disband the FISA court. 
Now, because again, as the FBI has been lying before the FISA court, uh, it's been used time and time again to go after political opponents. It's not been used for this idea of how to protect the nation and of what it was originally alleged to have its scope as was founded upon. So what they should do is go get a real warrant. And the FBI, it at least can limit the ability for the FBI's abuse of their power. And one of the more clear way areas is the FBI director, Christopher Ray. Christopher Ray absolutely has to go. When Republicans take the House again and take the Senate, they better absolutely get ready because they have to clean house and impeach Christopher Ray to mo- get him out as FBI director. And because that if, guy has fully been at the top of a, what is a, a huge problem going on throughout the FBI's upper echelons. If, if whoever we're electing is not a proponent of disbanding the FBI and look, I understand that we probably can't just completely wipe yeah. the organization out, but if they're not completely for disbanding and reducing the FBI's reach and getting some um, more realistic um, checks and balances in the system, we're going to continue this and it's, it's just going to get worse and it it could go both ways, right? Like uh, it's, we have to think about it. Okay. Let's say the, the Republicans control, take over control. Well, we don't want the Republicans to do this either, right? It should be a fair system that has yeah. checks and balances, and we don't have that today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what is essential right now. Um, so let me look at this. Oh, let's look. All right, one last thing on this FBI piece, and then we're going to move on, right? Um, this is actually one of the things in our liberal stupidity for the day um, area. It is from a red state article that the liberals and the FBI want to redefine things when it comes to the Trump raid. Long story short, this goes back into everything where the left wants to redefine stuff. Uh, you can't even name a woman a woman. Um, and the list goes, there's a long list of this, right? And what they want to do in the FBI raid is never call it a raid. Um, and I can tell you from working again at the U.S. Attorney's Office, it's, and with, look, I got a, a ton of buddies that are in the FBI, and there's not a single person who's ever been in something like this that ever says it wasn't called a raid because there's raid briefings, there's raid plannings. Everything you're doing is around the, what everyone's called a raid. But just like everything else, they want to redefine it, whether it's redefining a woman, redefining a raid, redefine the word recession. They continue to want to keep changing the language, and that's exactly why they want to change the script and just say that this was a lawful search pursuant to a warrant, and then don't call it a raid. It's absolutely astounding. That's how much they want to flip the script on it. I'm sorry. Americans are not that dumb, and they can see right through this. A raid is a raid. Um, so, all right. So shifting gears a little bit, just one quick thing I just want to run through uh, is a uh, quick update. I know we mentioned this. The inflation report came out on Wednesday. There's a brief update on this. Our infl- July has inflation year over year annual is now went from 9.1% to 8.5%. I thought we had zero inflation. That's because you can't do math, sir. It's, you got to do <laughs> Joe Biden math. So <laughs> this is exact, exactly what we talked about last time is Joe Biden is going to celebrate this. No matter what happens, they cause the problem bring anything down and they try to celebrate it. This is exactly what we said. So right to your point. Yeah, Sean, uh, you, all right, let me explain Joe Biden's math and what he's trying to do here. Um, again, this is a very prime example for the theme through our show, the using dishonest measures of our justicism and uh, just the dishonest measures theme, right? What he's doing here in an economic perspective is t- trying to flip a script that when this, Inflation number in CPI is always talked about. It's talked about in a way of annualized inflation. So eight and a half annualized from eight and a half last year, July to eight and a half July this year. It's risen from last July to now eight and a half percent is what they're claiming. The price of something you bought last year to now it's cost eight and a half percent more. However, what he is doing, he's trying to use a month over month number. He's not using the what everyone else in the world does. Just like they try to redefine recession, he's trying to redefine right before our eyes the measurement of CPI. And he's also doing this to – all right, here, here, here it is, Sean. To do the mental jujitsu jitsu uh, for Joe Biden math 
it is what he had to do to come up with that is not only just do the month over month because that didn't get him fully the way there to say the word zero. It's the month over month change on inflation, but you have to go to the core CPI, which is even less. Like I think our actual core, so eight, CPI itself right now is eight and a half. Core CPI was like in five percent and some change. Um, but core CPI, the difference is they take out food prices and energy costs. You know, pretty much everything that primarily thing runs your life. Uh, energy is the backbone to run your economy. So they take all those costs out of it. And so you get a core CPI and it sounds lower so they can manipulate and play games with this. So in his month over month version, he goes to the CPI and then he goes back to the core CPI of month over month to say zero. It's absolutely bogus and it's a manipulative way to try and skew this idea and be very dishonest measures to make a story and an image of what they want to tell you to try and sell that they did something to bring it down when they broke it up. They brought it up and now they're trying to say they're the ones that you need to celebrate us and pat us on the back that we brought it down. It's just um, like uh, we're not in a recession, right? Yeah. Well, that's the true definition you know, or the technical the definition is not two quarters of negative. Uh, GDP growth, right? That's no, that's not a contraction. That's the. It's, uh, it's too complicated for you to understand. But we're not in a recession, even though everybody knows that we are in a recession. <laughs> and, like, Magically, our recession no ended because of this uh, inflation thing, right? Zero inflation. Well, we're not in a recession. Yeah, well, that, and that's the exact point. They're trying to celebrate everything as look as everything they're doing because they're trying to change the script and celebrate all this nonsense by lying to you. And hope you're not smart enough to figure it out. But I believe, America, that we are a lot smarter than this and can see right through it. Now, just one real quick thing to lay out. So what people don't exactly under may get confused about when they think about CPI, we talk about inflation. When I say it's 8.5%, it's not just this idea of 8.5%. you got to realize the base standard for economic growth is 2% growth. So every year you're expecting that the cost of your goods are going to cost 2% higher, and it increases over time. So prices are always going up. Um, so last July... And, and C- we, CPI was- we, we think that that's right, right? Like that's kind of been the, the norm or the standard, I think, for the last probably 40 years now. Is is that we try and keep it at that two percent mark? Uh, it goes up, it goes down, but they're they're kind of the targeting that two percent. Don't yeah, I, don't, I forget the math behind yeah. it. Where they said that two percent was like. Works, well, that's the part. It was actually why would we want well, inflation in general? I don't know. Well, it's because that's so that still has to be means a growing economy, which you actually have to contract certain. Sub- amount of money and that's actually in the flow like the velocity of money so if it starts it's a it's actually a metric of basically so how they can control it and keep it within the banes of a overly in heating um economy if we're not producing enough so you, there's a balance of the supply side and demand side yeah i think it's to kind of flatten out the the business cycle more right because if we if if we well, if they the didn't part. it's they didn't control it we'd have greater swings up and down yeah yeah, and that's a piece. So it's a difference of understanding exactly. So you have an understanding and, and can count on the cost of certain general goods or otherwise it'd be all over the map. It would look like it would look like Bitcoin. One day it's a fifty thousand, next day it's a twenty thousand, then it's at forty thousand, and you'd have no idea which direction it's gonna be. Right. Um but so like this example I just wanna say with like just to understand inflation and CPI, they're um Last July, it was a 5.4% CPI. Now is eight and a half. And this doesn't mean that there was a was that 3.1% difference. That doesn't mean we just had a 3%, 3.1% difference, which I'm surprised they didn't try and play that as some nonsense version of look how great we are. Um, now I say, just to give an example, what this really means is, so let's say for in 2020, you bought something that was $100. July of 2021, that now cost you 105.40. With the 5.4% CPI. Now, in July of 2022, there's 8.5%. So you take that 105.40 and you have to add 8.5% more. So now in July of 2022, that same good that you bought in 2020 now costs you 114.35. So it's compounding as time progresses, right? So this isn't some idea that every year just starts over, oh, it gets back to starting at zero, at, a, at 100, right? For whatever you're in this example, 
So that's just, I want to put out there, it's a simple understanding to lay out what CPI is and how we look at it. And just to think through as we're hearing what they're saying and how we're trying to manip- manipulate the numbers. Um, because, you know, they, again, use dishonest measures of how they present things to us. Yeah. And this is really bad for your retirement, basically, right? Like since we're in the finance industry, I think it's yep. another note, right? You you try and, you know, save and you you you're saying, okay, well, I think that there's going to be this much inflation. So we know that whatever money you have today is going to be less in the future, right? So you try to take that into account as you're planning out your retirement and how much to save. But when you have this much inflation, that just means that in the future, when you go to retire, you have far less money than you originally planned for. Because the stock market, I mean, eight, eight and a half percent stock markets can't keep up. Yeah, I mean, heck, what is it? I think the number is so. If you look at the math, um, year over year, if it's just a set, I think it was, I think it was seven percent. If if inflation CPI is seven percent every year, you're going to be paying a hundred percent more for what it costs you over ten years. I mean, heck, if we're at eight and a half percent, I don't know. Maybe we're down to nine. Maybe we're down to eight years. Like it's, but that you're paying. That's how fast the cost of goods will rise, and then you have Venezuela. So, um. All right, so next, I just want to say one quick piece. While everything is going on this whole week, while it's been nuts, there was a one headline that caught my eyes that was kind of like, it's A, not surprising, but B, kind of hilarious at the same time, and it's also kind of messed up. Um, while all this was going on, we have Joe Biden leaves for a beach vacation after a two-and-a-half-day work week. So he works for two and a half days of destroying our country, and then he's off to go back for his little beach vacation in South Carolina. He's working hard. But you know what? The Congress is going to take time out of their vacation now to vote proxy for the tax bill, climate change, yeah, not inflation doesn't, reduction. Doesn't surprise so me one, one bit. Our, our representatives are working hard for us to take more money from us. They're going to take time off their vacation and vote proxy on that bill. Well, then they're going to come back to us and tell us we need to thank them <laughs> yeah. because the, the elites, look what they did for you. Uh, they took time out of their vacation so they can make sure they raise your taxes. And you're supposed to thank them for that. Hey, oh. but at least we're sending immigrants to New York. <laughs> All right, so I think that's like that's that's probably one of the best good good ones to close this out on. Um, and uh, I don't know which way you want to look at this. It's the uh, it's a liberal stupidity piece. Um, Sorry for the people that live in New York, but it's but. also I mean, heck, I, I grew up there. I got the heck out of there. I mean, it's you, nothing. You get what that you vote for. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing that it used to be. It's not. It's nobody. Yeah, it's definitely far from anything of glorious and you look at everything that state's been collapsing and people it's one of the top mass exodus states um so right to this point right governor greg abbott texas governor in texas our texas governor um basically said look all these sanctuary cities washington dc you guys want illegal immigrants you want us to keep our borders you want to demand that we keep our borders open okay so he turned around and he was and I'm sure everyone probably heard the story of it, but Abbott started busing uh, people, the illegal immigrants in buses, paid for, paid for their buses to go to New York City. And the first bus arrives and Mayor Adams loses his mind. One bus. He, I think he might have, I think they might have two buses I think he now. Might have two now. And we've sent 4,000 to Washington, D.C., and the yeah, and the Washington D.C. mayor was, wants uh, to get the National Guard and wants Biden to step in, but they don't want to fix the border, right? They don't want to do a border policy, but they don't want immigrants going to their um, sanctuary cities. It's oh yeah, well, see, that's the biggest thing. Where again, another so it's the old hypocrisy. Um, it's the what is in the politics they call it and this is always around often seems to conveniently land around democrats it's always nimby so the is the term so it's always like not in my backyard so we have mayor nimby up there in uh new york new york city mayor mayor adams says he threatens to bust new yorkers here to texas to help influence (laughs) our election (laughs) they can't vote Um, here 
they can't vote. So I mean, we'll help try. They can. They're probably sending down to Houston to go vote. Um, but it's literally the response that it's, it's beyond astounding. And then literally, like Greg, Greg Abbott's like, yeah. Um, what I saw is his response. He hits back right at Mayor Adams over the thread. He says, like, make my day. And it's, yeah, I just find it astounding. Look, so this is a nice. It's a good response that we have to fight back. And look, you guys want us to keep our borders open. Do you want to do this right? Greg Abbott said, look, okay, put your money where your mouth is. If you guys are a sanctuary city, okay, here you go. Take take care of them. But don't demand us to keep our borders wide open if you don't want to do anything. And you don't want to bear the burden. You don't want to bear the cost. You don't want opioids flooding through your border. You don't want the drugs and the sex traffic, sex trafficking and the illegal immigration. Yeah, and what all about that comes state, with it. Right? What about all the uh, – Texas is the majority of this border, right? And – Nobody wants to help us, so we have to do something for ourselves. And I think I, I applaud the governor for doing this. I think it's great. I think you should continue to ship them to these sanctuary cities and call their bluff. You say you're a sanctuary city, but you're, you're not putting your money where your mouth is. And he invited Mayor Adams down to Texas to see what we're going through, and he declined. Not surprising, but um, it, it's just astounding the amount of hypocrisy that it that it's not just at the white house administration right it's across the board of well we're here to do good but when you know the problem comes to your door you don't want to step up yeah no it absolutely and that's the part look as conservatives we have to keep standing up for these things keep fighting back keep holding their feet to the fire and make them play by their own rules and that's exactly what greg abbott did and that's exactly what we got to keep doing. So with that, I think we're, we're going to wrap it up. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Thank you for listening. And another episode of Liberty Matters. Uh, I hope you guys come back to next time. And JNS-supply.com. <laughs> and one last plug from our sponsors. All right. Have a good one.